Alright everybody, it's Avoiding the Puddle. I'm Eris. I'm here with Mr. MYK. What's up, Mike? What's up, Eris? Alright, man. How you doing today? Good, good. good. Alright, man. We got all kinds of stuff to talk about today, so we're just going to get right down to it. The first thing I wanted to bring up today uh, um, that's been kind of bothering me recently is uh, this new thing we have going on with big tournaments and even small tournaments that have streams. I mean, it's the new hype. Everyone wants to see a stream. If a tournament doesn't have a stream, I mean, it's not a good tournament. You know, at this point, it's the tournament standard. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you got to have a stream, and it's got to be a cool one. You know, and, and it's very difficult for people to run a stream and like the guys that I play winner or the guys that do Wednesday night fights I mean they deserve a lot of credit for putting these streams up for people to watch for free you know I, I really I really like this whole thing but one thing that I feel has kind of gone under the under the shadows it's really important is when it comes to differentiating the commentators from the house the pers- the hype man that's getting the crowd riled up they really need to be separate. Now, let me give you an example, Mike. Um, let's see. NorCal Regionals, for example, they had a really good quality stream, but the commentators were being projected over the house. So everyone in the crowd could hear everything that they were saying. Now, this may seem like a good idea, but if you, if you look at you know, recent tournaments and what's been happening... The commentators are really intelligent people that know a lot about the game. And when they're watching the game happen, they're calling out some psychological things that that are going on that the players should not be hearing. Like Yeah, for- like one, one instance was like, uh, I'm not going to mention any names, but one of the commentators was saying, oh, look at him, he's pushing him into a corner now. And it's like, oh, and the other guy didn't even realize it until he was already in the corner. Exactly, that's exactly true. Or, for example, let's say someone does something on block that's minus 15 and the commentator says oh that was that was minus 15 and he didn't punish it but now that guy's gonna know oh mid-match that guy just told him yo this is minus 15 next time you do it I'm gonna punish it I mean that's just not correct that's not fair that the commentators should not be coaches for the people who are playing I mean just that uh, devastation this last weekend uh, they did it the same way the commentators were projected uh, you know for everyone to hear and during the Soul Calibur 4 Grand Finals, there was an instance where one of the one of the players had their back to the ring out, and then the commentator was like, oh, he better watch the ring, and then all of a sudden, he moved away from the ring, based on what the commentator said. So, I mean, this is, uh, this is something that's kind of happening, and I don't think people really foresaw it happening, but it's def- it definitely needs to be addressed, especially in major tournaments. Um, I mean, you have to think about it like, Maybe in the in the room there's maybe two to five hundred people watching, but on the stream there's two to five thousand people watching, if not more. And yep. those people, the number one person that that the uh, organization that the tournament should be worried about is the player. That the player is always number one, and then the second most important person is the person on the stream because there's more of them. You know, uh, and then the third most important, of course, is the people in the crowd. So I, I'm I'm all down for, you know, entertaining people in the crowd and having a hype man and, you know, let's say someone on the mic over the PA who's talking shit and they're like, oh, you know, support your boy or whatever hometown or USA versus Korea or whatever the fuck they say to get people hyped up, that's good. But that person over the microphone should not be talking strat, should not be giving advice or discussing intricate details of what's happening on the screen because the players... Go ahead. 
But it's also not even like the commentators' fault. It's just how they set it up. They should have the commentators only be able to be heard through the stream, not through the a crowd and the players. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, let's say they do take my advice and have one person on a microphone to hype the crowd. That person should not be talking strat. He should just be hyping people up, talking shit. You know, like getting people's hometown advantage stuff going on. You know, like you know, getting people hyped up. He's a hype man. He's not a commentator. And then the commentators, they need to focus on teaching people what's going on on the screen. Kind of, uh, those people need to still be entertaining and hype, hype shit up and, you know, joke or whatever. But it's important that they talk about where, where you can duck, where you can sidestep, uh, maybe some frame data or, you know, whatever. Like, for example, one of my favorite commentators is Mr. James Chen uh, for Street Fighter. He is extremely knowledgeable. I mean, he knows all these really cool intricacies of the game and he's really teaching me i'm not really a street fighter player and he's teaching me all this cool stuff and it makes it very entertaining i mean you know he could throw a few more jokes in there but i mean the guy does what he what he does you know and yeah. he's one of my favorite commentators and if he lets you know let like at ncr he was projected over the the you know for the crowd everyone could yeah. hear him I mean, that's no good at all, dude, because the players are hearing all this stuff he's saying. I mean, he's more intelligent than both of these players who are playing most of the time. <laughs> and he's yeah. just giving both of them these strats that are just, like, you know, way over the top. And it's just totally unfair. It shouldn't be happening that way. Um, and I just don't like, I don't like it when the commentators are heard by the players or by the crowd. I don't like yeah. that. Also, when I'm doing commentary, and I've done commentary a bunch of times now, I really like to talk shit about the people who are playing. I like to insult them. I like to make fun of their haircut. I like to, you know, I mean, you know, you know me. I like to talk shit. And it's not cool if the player can hear me insulting, you know, the shirt they got on or how goofy they look or maybe how they got their asses kicked at the last tournament or whatever. It's not cool for them to hear that while they're playing. It's going to change their, you know, uh, confidence. And that's yeah. not good, you know? So you want to entertain the people listening, but, you know, you don't want to uh, fuck up the, the player mindset. player and the commentary should just be separate. Yeah, it should, it should just be completely separate. And uh, one more thing before we move on, for, you know, commentators out there that, you know, it's really hard to find a good commentator, and it's not an easy thing to do. But one thing that I just really want to emphasize is when you're doing commentary, uh, first of all, Please get someone that knows what they're talking about, because at, at this last tournament at Devastation, they had a bunch of people on stage doing commentary that did not know shit at all. I mean, there was a guy during Street Fighter 4 that was saying, oh, I don't know why Mike Ross is whiffing an Ocho grab after every headbutt. That's kind of weird. And the fucking crowd had to yell at him, like, yo, you dumbass, you, he's building meter. Every retard on the planet knows that. And the guy was, like, in response to the crowd telling him he's a retard, he was like, well, I don't know. I mean, if he was trying to build meter, he might as well do something safer than that. Like, he's going to tell fucking Mike Ross how to play E-Honda. You know, yeah. I mean... On the stream. <laughs> on the stream, in front of everybody. You know, give me a break, dude. And then, yeah. like, uh, other people that do that do commentary for streams, a lot of time it's a common thing for you to just regurgitate what you're seeing. And, you know, you're watching the match and you're like, oh, you know, he breaks a throw or, oh, whatever. I mean, everyone watching the stream can see what's happening. We're not, they're, they're not, de they're not blind. They're not, they're not stupid, you know? So, instead of saying what you're seeing... You know, maybe you could add some 
psychology. Like, why is he doing this? What's going on there? What break was that throw? Uh, how bad is that move on block? Uh, which way can you sidestep that? Or, you know, maybe tier-related discussion, or maybe even statistics. Like, if let's say this guy's playing another guy. How many times have they played in previous tournaments? What are, what's their history? You know, there's a lot of stuff, interesting stuff, that yeah, a commentator can How good can is this guy like, at throw-breaking? How exactly. good is this guy at punishing? Stuff like that. There is a ton what, of stuff. Uh, yeah, exactly. A ton of stuff that a commentator can discuss that's entertaining and it's relevant. You gotta stay relevant, you know, I mean, that's really important. Anyway, so, I mean, that, that's pretty much what I wanted to cover, unless you feel like I, I'm missing anything in this, uh, in this topic. Um, I don't know, how did they do it last year at Evo? The commentators weren't heard, right? Or no, were they? Uh, as far as I remember, there's a hype man, maybe it was Inkblot, maybe it was Tragic, I don't remember. They've had different hype men every year, but, yeah, the mm. crowd can hear, like, oh, you know, fucking Daigo wins it, or whatever, but... <laughs> You know, like uh, on the stream, they're they're separated from the players, and you, the players cannot hear them, and the crowd cannot hear them. But the billions of people watching the stream can, and that's yeah. really how it should be. And then, like, it's not like people can't find out what the commentator said. All these streams are usually recorded, and they could just go home and watch watch it again. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's it's readily available. So, anyway, so moving on, the next thing I wanted to talk about is uh. In, in our previous episode, we had some relatively not nice things to say about Virtua Fighter. And uh, I feel like the Virtua Fighter community completely went on the defensive, and they, they took it completely in a negative way and missed my point. Obviously, I'm talking a lot of shit, and I'm exaggerating and all this stuff. But the bottom line, the point of what I had to say is that something needs to happen for Virtua Fighter to become a mainstream fighting game and... My opinion is that it needs to be visual uh, visual and uh, audio. They, they need to be revamped, and, you know, it needs to look better. And I, I recently had a conversation with a good friend of mine, Mr. Jason Arney, who is an employee at Namco, and he knows all about the industry and what needs to happen to create a good, successful fighting game. And we had a long conversation. It was really interesting. And he told me there are two phases to a fighting game. One is called trial, and the other is called performance. The trial phase is when you create something that, when someone sees it, they have a desire to purchase it. There's something about it that is appealing, whether it be aesthetically appealing, maybe, it, you know, like ultras and stuff like that, or maybe it has a tag function or whatever. It doesn't matter. The point is that you create a product that when someone sees it, they feel like, I want to buy this product. Maybe it's because, oh, shit, it's Ryu fighting against Iron Man. Okay, yeah, you know, that looks badass. I want to buy this, right? That's the first phase. The second phase is called performance. And what that is, is when you purchase the game, are you satisfied with it? Does it, does it do what it told you it would do? Let's say, for example, in terms of Street Fighter IV, uh, does it teach you how to play the game? Is it, does it have easily accessible online that has a good netcode? Does it have a good training mode? Is it gonna is it gonna take you to whatever level you want it to take you? You know, this is the performance uh, phase of a fighting game. Now, Street Fighter it does an excellent job in both these segments, in both these sections. It looks appealing. It has ultras. The graphics are all really nice HD graphics. I mean, the ultras are super hyped. They look badass. I mean, it's it looks really cool. And then on the other hand, you have once you purchase the game, you can play it online, it has a good training mode, I mean, it, it's just, it's the whole package. 
It's yeah, it has satisfying. a very long replay value, and you could like play online, play offline, go to tournaments, and it just looks like everything looks good. So exactly, exactly, and this is the thing that I feel is uh, the reason for its success. Now, if you look at Tekken, for example, Tekken looks really good. Everyone sees it and says, oh, you know, that game has cool graphics. Oh, shit, that guy looks like Bruce Lee. That guy looks like Jackie Chan. All right, you know, that looks cool. And then you think, all right, it has online play. It has a practice mode. I'm interested in this game. But when you buy it, and you purchase it, and you realize the online play is shitty. They threw in this huge scenario campaign that's like total bullshit, and practice mode is completely lacking. What are you gonna do? You're gonna go on AIM or you're gonna go on whatever messenger and tell all your homies, "Yo, man, I just bought Tekken Six, and that shit is whack. I put it down after five minutes." You know, it doesn't teach me anything. Doesn't yep. have. It doesn't teach me how to play. I can't play online. You know, there's way too much lag for it to be a legitimate. Game and Online this fighter, yeah, yeah, and and this uh, scenario campaign is just a complete waste of my fucking time, you know. So wh- why am I going to recommend this? And this is exactly the reason why Tekken Six it had an explosive start for sales and then it immediately died. I mean, people bought it and then they didn't pass the word around, and that's the complete opposite for Street Fighter Four. I mean, people bought it and they were like, "No shit, this is dope," and then everyone bought it. I mean, it just became an explosion. You know, mm-hmm. and so I mean, when it comes to VF, obviously VF has the second part, the the performance phase. It's good at it because it has a deep fighting system that you can get into. It has a good training mode. I mean, you're able to learn how to play the game. The problem is that it doesn't perform well at the trial phase. People don't look at VF and say, you know, I want to play this game. I mean, whether or not you agree with me on my reasons why they don't want to play the game. The bottom line is that they don't. You know? I mean, you don't look at VF and see Akira, you know, you know, and that big-ass jiggling, wiggling joystick on the screen. You know, you don't see that and go, damn, that shit looks tight. You know, I want to play that game. Whatever the reason is, that's not the point. The point is nobody is playing VF. And something needs to be done with that series so that people do play VF. Because it is a good game, and it is a deep game, and there is a lot of longevity to its lifespan. It should be played for a long time. It's just unfortunate that they are failing in the trial portion. Just as it's unfortunate that Tekken 6 is failing in the performance uh, portion. God knows, I was fucking heartbroken when the game came out and every part of the console version was shitty. You know, I was was heartbroken. And I was devastated. And this is just equally as heartbreaking as VF being shitty in the trial portion. So, I mean, you know, that that's... that's I, I, maybe I had to clarify for the VF community, uh, but, you know, the bottom line is I want all... I like all fighting games, and I like VF as well, and I want all fighting games to do well. And there's something in the, the uh, Street Fighter formula that everyone, including Namco... Everyone needs to look at and analyze. There's something good there that's uh, that's happening that everyone needs to copy. So I mean, that's that's pretty much what I have to say about that. And anyone else who wants to say, uh, "Oh, Eris is a fucking noob. He doesn't know shit." You guys can all go fuck yourselves. And uh, I'm just I'm just telling it like it is. And uh, whether you want to believe it or not, I enjoy all fighting games, including VF. So um, that's pretty much what I have to say about that. And uh, if if you don't have anything to add uh, about that, we can move on to the next topic. Um, I also think it's kind of uh, the arcade thing because uh, Virtual Fighter 
you know, arcades are pretty much dead in the U.S., and it's like right. Virtual Fighter, like, pretty much never existed here anyways in the arcade, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's, I guess that's why they're so good at the performance stage, whereas Tekken's always been, like, you know, on consoles and at big tournaments, and that's why, you know, the trial stage of Tekken was a lot better than the performance stage, because people are like, oh, look, Tekken's there. It's at all these tournaments that Street Fighter's at. Maybe I want to pick up a 3D game, and Tekken's like the only one easily available. Yeah, well, I mean, Namco has always shown interest in doing things, making business moves that will draw people in. Like for Caliber, they threw in Darth Vader and Yoda and shit. I mean, that's <laughs> like, or God of War characters, or in Soul Calibur 2 for console, they had Spawn and Link and Hayachi and shit. I mean, yeah. though I personally don't support those ridiculous moves, but... The bottom line is, I guarantee you, a shitload of people were like, yo, what the fuck, I could play as Darth Vader in Soul Calibur? And it was like the greatest thing they've ever heard of. <laughs> like, this yeah. is so badass, I gotta pick this game up. You know, so at least they're trying to make moves to draw people in. You know, whether whether or not they're, you know, cool moves in terms of a competitive fighting game, that's not the point. The point is, you gotta make a move. You gotta do something, whether it be, you know making some of your characters wear tap-out shirts or yeah. you know, whatever. You know, do something to make people be like, yo, you know, I like tap-out. Yo, I like fucking Darth Vader. Who doesn't? That guy's badass. Let's fucking get Soul Calibur. You know, let's get Tekken. VF needs to do something. Yeah. And that's pretty much how I feel about that. Right. Um, let's see. What else did we want to talk about here? We wanted to go on to... Oh, yeah, that's right. Um... One thing that I feel like a lot of new Tekken players, a problem that they have, and this is kind of, a lot of people come to me, you know, because I play Tekken, and a lot of my friends play other games, like Street Fighter uh, or other different games. They come to me and they're like, yo, man, you know, like, teach me how to play Tekken. I'm good. I'm a good fighting game player, and, you know, I'm, I'm having these problems with Tekken. And generally, you know, I have a really hard time because I'm not really that patient with teaching people how to play, so I don't typically teach people what's up, but one thing that everyone always says is, oh, you gotta learn the fundamentals, you gotta learn the fundamentals, because that's what it's all about, and, you know, even on previous podcasts, where you and I have spoken, uh, it's always been like, oh, you know, it's really important to not just do flashy combos, and not just do all that shit, and learn the fundamentals, but I think one thing that we forget we kind of assume that people know. Everybody knows it by now, but it's like, oh, when we break it down, it's like, do they really know what fundamentals yeah, are? What, what, what the fuck are fundamentals, Mike? That What what the hell is a fundamental, dude? So, yeah. I mean, you know, that's what I'm saying. You know, a lot of people that want to play Tekken, and then your, your response to them is, yo, you got to get your fundamentals down. What the fuck is a fundamental? And that's what I want to talk about with you right now. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. You tell me uh, some stuff, and then I'll add. Alright, obviously, like, fundamentals would be, like, the very basic stuff you learn first. Like, the very first thing you should learn first isn't, well, it might be combos, just because that might draw in, you into the game, but, like, one of the most important things about Tekken is movement. So maybe the first thing you want to do is practice Korean backdashing, sidestepping, learning what to sidestep, what's the weaker side against this certain character, you know, ducking strings, you know, low pairing, you know, low hits and strings, stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, we say if you're a new player, but this is not just if you're a new player. Even I and you, both of us, we 
should be working on our movement. Movement is the most important part of Tekken, and, uh, you know, we recently have been playing these Korean players who are sons of bitches. They're so good, <laughs> you know, and we're, we're playing these guys, and we've been playing Tekken for a long time, but the bottom line is you got to work on your movement. In my opinion, if you can't Korean backdash, like, pretty fast, you shouldn't even be pushing a button until you can your hand, yep. your left hand should be on the stick or on the pad or whatever you play on, and you should be practicing Korean backdash like until you get it down. Don't even push one button until you get it down. And not just Korean backdash, controlling your character. Controlling it in a way where you're moving around, you're evasive, but as soon as something happens where you can capitalize, you're able to stop moving and attack. That is really, really important in Tekken. And, um, you know, like, um, my good friend Hans from I Play Winner, he's like, yo, man, you gotta cover, you know, what do I gotta do to get better? And, you know, he's a really good Street Fighter player. He plays multiple games, and he wants to play a Mishima, right? And he, he, think, he can nail electrics, he can nail good combos, but he just can't play. You know, he doesn't know how to play. And if you're, let's say, a Mishima player, it's not just nailing an electric. But you have to incorporate the movement in there. For example... Just doing an electric is we'll one get thing. You kill. <laughs> yeah, no, not only that. It's just one execution of an electric is one thing, but a backdash into an electric is a completely different execution. I mean, it's very difficult. And if you can't do that, or let's say a sidestep right electric, sidestep left electric, not only do you have to be able to do these things, but you also have to be able to use the reflexes that you're using in other games and apply them in Tekken. So, I mean, you're moving around, and someone whiffs, you sidestep left, you see the whiff, and then boom, you got the electric ready. That's the type of stuff you got to be practicing. And, I mean, you have to be able to move on both sides, like, as fast as possible. I mean, this is the type of thing that you can never practice enough. It's not like a combo where, you know, you do the combo, and, all right, you're 100% consistent with this combo. Every time you can, it's not like that. You gotta practice it forever. I mean, it's like you never. If you want to be the best, you gotta practice movement forever. I mean, it's your, super. Your movement's never gonna be perfect because yeah. everyone's gonna be able to match it because you're gonna be playing against other people that's gonna follow you and say, "Well, you're only gonna be sidestepping left, and he's only gonna be sidestepping left with you to track track you down." Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's so important to just constantly emphasize that aspect of the game. I mean, you're just never going to get better if you just start doing combos and you're just doing shit that looks cool. You have to be able to move as fast as possible. And another thing that's really important is, let's say I'm, I'm watching you play, right? You're some new player or you're a decent player. And, and I, I say, yo, man, the second hit of that string is high. Or let's say we're talking about law. We're talking about his junkyard combo, right? <laughs> if I'm like, yo, man, you got to low parry that second hit. If you're not doing that low parry... I mean, you're not applying your reflexes correctly. You need to register that he did back to and low parry the second hit. I mean, you've got to do it. There are several instances where the second hit of a string is high, and you need to be able to think, okay, second hit is high, I'm going to duck, I'm going to wall standing punish, get a full combo. This is essential. This is this is part of fundamentals that it goes, you know, under the rug. Nobody thinks about it. But this shit is essential. You have to know this stuff. And you have to be able to do it on the drop of a hat. And if you can't do it, that's what you got to be practicing. 
I mean, exactly. yeah, it seems like, oh, well, that sounds gay. You know, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun. But it's but just like, it's it's like, when you think about other fighting games, like, let's say you're coming from a street fighting background, you want to pick up Tekken, and then you're, let's say, you play, like, Able, and you play Ryu players all day, and they're throwing fireballs from, like, three ra- three character ranges away, or two character ranges away. You're not going to just let them get away with fireballs all day when you have an Ultra 1 or Ultra 2. Right. It's like, you have to apply your reaction to that fireball within that range and then still do it on time before Ryu recovers from the fireball. Yeah, you just react to the fireball, apply your reaction times to that game. This is exactly how you apply your reaction times to Tekken. I mean, you duck the second hit of a combo that's high, I mean a string that's high, or you sidestep it right, or you sidestep it left, or you low parry, or you move a little bit, you backdash, and then you're, you register that they whiffed something, and boom, electric. You gotta have that stuff on lockdown, and these are the fundamentals of Tekken. I mean, th- these are the things that people forget, and and they kind of go past them. Movement, being able to dodge things and register that you need to attack, low parrying certain things. I mean, all that stuff is super important, and you're never gonna get good if you skip it. Mm-hmm. Another thing too is like, like part of fundamentals is the punishment like we were saying like what good is movement if you don't have any punishment or what yes. good is punishment if you don't have any movement you need all of these things just to be a solid player yeah absolutely and i mean you know we're we're preaching right now and we're saying oh you got to do this and that but even the two of us are not perfect i mean we really need to work on certain things i mean blocking something and punishing with the exact punisher i mean there's so much room for improvement, even at the level of these Korean guys. They got, like, tons of diaries and books and shit with notes and all this stuff that they're learning and studying. And, you know, I mean, it depends on what level you want to take the game to. But the point is that there's always room for improvement, including, when I say this, this is advice for myself as well and for Mike. You know, we all need to look at our game and see where our problems are and focus on those problems and apply our reaction times correctly. Even even I need to work on fundamentals and I've been playing Tekken for a while now, you know, so whether you're brand new or whether you've been playing for 15 years, you still need to work on fundamentals. You never stop working on that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so before I move on to I'm very uh, happy that I got to interview Mr. Ryan Hart all the way from the UK. Uh, Before I move on to that interview with Mr. Ryan Hart, uh, we want to talk a little bit about the E3 thing. Apparently, they didn't release any information on the new Tekken at E3, and Namco's explanation for that is that E3 has become a console-only event, and the next Tekken is going to be an arcade uh, incarnation of the game, of course. So this is why that they they haven't released any new information at E3. So we're all keeping our eyes peeled for the the TGS. Yeah, you know Tokyo Game Show or you know wherever they they unveil the next Tekken. We're all waiting for that. And before we go on to the interview, the last thing I wanted to bring up is uh, it was just announced that SBO qualifiers are going to be held in San Mateo, California. Oh, which is, uh, where did you say it is? South of San Francisco, Mike? Yeah, I think it's like not even an hour for San Francisco. Yeah, so if anyone can, you know, make it out there, it's going to be a 3v3 SBO style, double elim- except it's double limb, um, and it's going to be on cabinets only, so I know there's a lot of pad players out there, but SBO is only an arcade tournament, so it's on Japanese sticks, and it's the SBO qualifier for North America. And is it the only one, Mike? 
Um, for Tekken 6, I think it might be. I'm not sure about Street Fighter. So. I see. Yeah, I mean, as far as we know, it's the only SBO qualifier for Tekken 6. And trust me, I've been to Japan. It's the shit. So everyone <laughs> go out there and, you know, compete. Get your three-man team. And please don't ask me to be on your team. I already got a team. I don't want to hear it. And don't send me any of those gay emails, please. People are sending me gay emails. Like what? Like, they're asking me questions about, hey, man, you know, like, you're really cool. I want to play you online. Yo, man, this is not some Mickey Mouse operation, dude. If you got something <laughs> that you want us to talk about on the show that's relevant and people want to hear about, please shoot me an email. What's the email address, Mike? at contact at imtekken.com. Please, shoot me an email with good topics. But if you got something stupid to say, you know, I don't have time for that shit. I'm a busy guy. You know, I got lots. Of, I got to condition my beard. I got lots of stuff to do. <laughs> all right? So anyway, now, uh, unless you have anything else to add, Mike, we're going to move on to the interview I had with Mr. Ryan Hart. And uh, that'll conclude this portion of the program. Yeah, uh, that's pretty much about it, I guess. All right, cool, Mike. Well, let's move on to Ryan Hart. Alright, and here's Ryan Hart for you guys. What's up, everybody? I'm honored, honored to welcome one of my favorite fighting game players of all time onto the show, Mr. Ryan Hart. What's up, Ryan? Hello. Thanks for having me on your show. Of course, man. Thanks for being on, dude. So how's everything been going lately? I know you're really busy getting ready for Evolution, am I right? That's right. I'm also getting ready for ESWC, which is in Paris um, in just over a week. So, yeah, I'm training hard. Oh, awesome. You got back-to-back -back tournaments lined up. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Okay, what are your, right now, what are your, what are your main games? What are you playing these days? Um, I would say the two main games are Super Street Fighter 4, of course, and um, also Tekken 6 as well. I see, okay. So I'm um, focusing on those mainly. I mean, there are others that I want to play, obviously, like the New King of Fighters game when that comes out, and um, there are a couple of others too, but to be honest, I just don't have the time now. It's just one of those things where... You know, it's it's it's, it's uh, so draining just to play one game. Because I mean, obviously, Super Street Fighter Four has got so many characters and everything is so deep. Now you need to put so much time into it, and there just isn't space in my schedule for anything else. Yeah, that's totally understandable. I mean, especially when you're playing at that level in so many games. I mean, you're only one man. You know, I totally understand. I, I of course, to exactly. You have other priorities as well. So everything, yeah. you know, you have to sort of prioritize, and then sometimes games have to get last position. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of priorities, I wanted to ask you. Yes. Uh, to, I mean, to what degree are you a pro gamer and how how big is uh pro gaming and sponsorship in terms of fighting games in the uk these days um well i'd say the uk is probably the same as europe um and i think sponsorship nowadays is getting bigger with you know the entrance of street fighter into e-gaming and i think that now people sort of have an opportunity to get on board with a lot lots of the famous teams that you could only ever get involved with if you were good at a first person shooting game or an RTS game for example mm -hmm. so um it's getting bigger you know it's not that big yet you don't get players who are who are signed that get like dedicated salaries and stuff like that yet yeah. but i think they're working on that and um in the future it's definitely something that they're going towards 
I see. So you're certainly not a full-time gamer. I assume you have some sort of other yes, it's job. Yes, of course. So, yeah. um, like I said, um, it's quite difficult to prioritize playing, you know, um, games for a long period of time. So, um, obviously, if, if you travel to an event, it's nice to take part in something, but, you know, winning is never guaranteed, and um, it's not like you can rely on winnings for a survival, Absolutely. <laughs> you know, for, some, for, form, for a form of income. Yeah. So, um, you know, as fun as it is, um, it has to get put to one side. Yeah, I totally, I totally okay. understand you. Um, so, well, speaking of the UK and, and how uh, fighting games are working out over there, do you guys have a major yeah. arcade scene over there, or is it pretty much constant? Um, I would say, well, we do have an arcade scene. Um, mm -hmm. In London, the two main arcades, uh, one's in Central and they're called uh, London Chocadero, and one's um, uh, sort of a bit further mm -hmm. towards um, you know, the other side, and that's in uh, uh, Tottenham Court Road, and that's good, called the uh, Casino Arcade. And those okay. are the two main places where people gather to play. But since um, Super Street Fighter 4 is not an arcade-released game, or mm -hmm. at least not yet, um, there has been a decline in Street Fighter attention at the arcades. I so see. everyone's at home playing online and stuff like that. But the fact that we do have an arcade scene means you can actually go out there and play games publicly with, publicly with other people and you know, see other faces and things like that, so, which, is, which is a luxury and not, not many European countries have these days. Yeah, really, I know. Uh, even America doesn't really have a thriving arcade community either, right. so, I mean, it really is a luxury. Yeah, I mean, here, you know, uh, within the last 10, 15 years, you've seen every arcade get turned into, like, a fruit machine place or a, <laughs> a, bowling, a bowling alley or a restaurant or a club, and, uh, you know, it's just sad to see places you kind of spent your youth in just turned into... Areas yeah. to make more money, basically. I totally agree, but I don't know what the fuck a fruit machine is, dude. What the hell is a fruit oh, machine? Oh, you probably call it something else in the States. Um, <laughs> it's probably like, is it like a slot machine? We call oh. it a fruit machine because it's fruit real. The, the wheels that come around with all the fruit on them. Oh, man. <laughs> and 37s is a jackpot, you know. Like, we call them fruit machines here. But I got <laughs> I guess. All right. Let's, let's keep that up, man. Cause I really like it when you say something. I have no fucking idea what you're talking about. Sorry, I didn't realize, yeah. No, no, perfect. That's what I like. So, all right, you know, so the, slang, the, so the slang for that is just fruities. Like, you know, do you play fruities? <laughs> That's what we say here. Fruities are something completely different in the world. Totally <laughs> We don't want okay. to talk about fruities, though. We don't want to offend anyone. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I got your picture. <laughs> I think I got picture. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so like I was, like okay. we were talking about the arcade scene. I know. I totally agree with you. And how about as far as Tekken goes? You said the Street Fighter is not very popular because it hasn't had an arcade release. What about Tekken Six BR? I mean, is that being um, in the arcades? Yeah, Tekken Six <laughs> is played in the arcades, but not that much, to be honest. I mean. Uh, with previous Tekken releases, we used to have a lot more sort of um, ranking battles at arcades and tournaments, and I think Bloodline Rebellion has sort of been rejected in that area. We haven't had many events for it, and um, sometimes even when there are events, people don't show up. It just doesn't get the attention. I think the game itself is where people are turned off. They're not really feeling that Tekken as much as they have previous versions, so even if you know it is in the arcade and stuff, people are not that motivated to come down and spend money on it. You That's know, interesting. Uh, how do you feel so about, that, about the game? Um, I think it's one of those games where I don't care about it until the tournament comes up. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like it's just there, and it's you know it is fun in a way. But I think I think with the changes to the system, I kind of it, I don't really in in some cases I, I can't. A lot of people you know have different opinions, but in some areas it's almost like unless you put a, a whole lot of time into it, mm -hmm. a lot of it, a lot of areas of the game feel kind of random. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, obviously, you know, Korean level or like top Japanese level, you probably don't get that as much. But yeah, uh, 
another issue is like at the highest level, the game comes down to just a few things which are, are probably not that entertaining to use or watch. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what are you putting the hours in for? Are you putting the hours in to then get to a level where you only use three moves? You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's one of those things like, I don't know, the game for me just... It doesn't grab me, you know. Tekken's usually grab me. It's like I, I look at it and I really want to get involved and I really want to be good. And mm -hmm. I, for some for some reason, Bloodline Rebellion just doesn't I don't, doesn't have, doesn't have that attraction. I, I just, you know, it is good and it's great that they've got loads of new characters now. And mm -hmm. it's like, you know, there's area for you to be original. There's area to, for you to be different from everyone else because there's so much to choose from. Right. And that's that's nice. But it's just for some reason I think the system. I don't really like the raid system. I think that the low parry system could have been better. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, low parrying essentially is is a nice area. Where where someone can display their skill, their mind read at the end of the round, for example. But low parry combos are so character, you know, dependent now. I mean, some characters get good damage off a low parry combo. Some characters hardly get anything. Right. And it's just, it's just not that opener that it used to be, like it did, like it was on the previous Tekken's, where it would introduce a good juggle, you know, where you could carry them to the wall and do do some real good damage. I mean, yeah. it, you know, it's just not. That, that that gripping feeling of you know doing those things that mattered before just isn't the same now. I mean now I'm seeing a lot of you know mid uh, sort of mid screen launchers which then carry the person to the wall mm -hmm. and then do more damage at the wall. And if you're unlucky, you can actually lose the whole round from there. <laughs> and it's almost like you know you're just playing for that one opening, which for me I think isn't really allowing you to fully appreciate the game. You know, you're 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 doing all of this work, you know, to train up and everything. When when it comes down to it, in the actual match, it's just about this one big thing. Now, that's not for every match, and that's not for every style of player or even character. Mm -hmm. But there there are times where the game feels very limited, and um, that could just be down to the fact that I personally haven't put enough time into it. You know, it could just be down to that. But from my analysis so far, I, I kind of sometimes feel like that. But then again, saying all those negative things, I do have fun playing the game. I do enjoy entering tournaments. I do enjoy you know putting time into practice and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I, otherwise I, wouldn't, I wouldn't play the game. But I think I'm just saying why it's not the ideal Tekken for me. That's all. I'm not saying it's a bad game. I'm not saying it's rubbish. No one should play I'm just saying that for me, it could have been a bit better. You know, I think stages could have been a bit bigger. I think that um, you know, one combo shouldn't guarantee that you're going to take them to the wall. You know, I think there should be a bit more strategy in that way. Um, that it's actually sort of like a privilege to have someone against the wall. You know, it's like you've earned it. You've pressured them enough. Now they're finally, at the, you know, it's not something where the aim is to immediately get them to the wall with the longest combo you can find and then kill them at the wall. And yeah. um, get a player like Ni nee from Korea who's can perfectly use the um, the knee taunt into jet upper. Yeah. Where <laughs> so you so you're at the wall and you're afraid to tech foot roll, for example, because you know he's not going to miss that. Yeah. And um, it just limits your options so badly that even in defense you can't really show your skill because in defense it should be it's, it's almost it, they, they could have made a format where you can actually show how you can read your opponent by, you know, the way you maneuver from the ground and things like that. Uh -huh. But they just they haven't put enough ways to do that in on Tekken. And, and it kind of means that you're forced to take damage or you're forced to, you know, you're forced to do something that is also bad, even though that's the best thing to do. Hmm. So, um, yeah, it's just different ways to look at it. But I, I just feel that, you know, um, and, and I, I see people as well. I see people's reactions. I see people that have played Tekken since Tekken 1. Right. I see them react so differently to what happens on Tekken 6, you know, the way things displease people and the way yeah. that things, they don't like what happens. And, I mean, even top Koreans will tell you that Tekken 6 is an open-ended game. It's very random in some cases. There are ways that you can play the match and then play the match again and have completely opposite things happen. And not from any form of logic or, you know, strategy. It's just like, 
because those things because in the game it's kind of there isn't a level there isn't a, a proper consistency things can just be different for no reason almost well i and, mean uh, from from what i've uh, noticed and especially recently i've been speaking to a lot of og like old school tag players and a lot of them really dislike the new uh, the newest version of the game because there are there are so many variables and there are mm. so many characters and with mm. the crush system it's really difficult <coughs> reach a point where everything is predictable and mm. they they're it's so easy for them to say oh you know this game is random when mm. you know in my opinion random is completely random in in the sense that uh like the way poker is random right, but right. because the crush system is in a sense reliable and it runs on numbers mm. random is the easy word to apply to it but i think there are just so many variables with rage and with crush system yeah. and 40 characters that I think many people are turned off to the difficulty of making it not random and yeah. making it consistent. That's the thing. Like um, I agree with that, and um, in that in that sense, I guess it's not really random because it is. You know, if you do one thing and the other guy does one thing, I guess the same result will happen every right. time. If you do it ten times, it will, the same result will happen ten times. So right. I guess it's not random in that sense. When I say random, though, it's, I just mean it's quite hard to form st solid strategies on the game right. because of every character having so many moves that. Could all be useful for whatever situation. Yeah, and um, I just okay. and maybe because of the number of characters. But um, another thing is that because there are so many characters, I'm actually kind of missing some of the characters in the game, like you know, like match experience against a lot of the cast exactly, because you just don't yes. have people who play. Like in every area, you know, if you only have uh, I don't know 20 players, then that's half, and they each use one character, and that's only half the cast, and then you're only learning for as much as how good they are. If they don't happen to be that good, mm -hmm. you know, even though you are getting experience against a character, it won't help you when you go to another area where they have that same character but to a higher standard. So, you know, even even though you are covering certain characters, how f how much are you covering them? And exactly. That's always a problem when you travel internationally for, for events and things like that. Oh, yeah. Especially in, especially in Europe with all the countries being close together. Mm -hmm. You know, you might get like um, you might go to Poland, for example, from the UK, and then find someone using a character that they don't use in in Paris, you know, in France or, or in Germany, and and there's a you know, a, I guess together collectively is a good mixture, but it doesn't help when you're trying to understand the game for yourself when you just don't have anyone near you that you can train with that yes. uses a certain character. Especially when there's such a poor pr training mode and the online yeah. function is really not really very good. Online is so not reliable either. Exactly. I mean, I just I just don't understand. I just feel that the game was rushed in some ways. I mean, you know, the training mode was essentially the best way to give people a chance to better themselves, to better their skills in their own time. You know, yes. Because in the privacy of your own home, you can use what you want. There's no one there to, to say anything. It's not a match. It's not a, a moving target. You know, mm -hmm. you can do exactly what you want. Absolutely. But they just haven't... I mean, little things, you know, like having a record system, it's very important to have something like that, you know, that mm -hmm. you can train with. And I just don't understand why they thought that wasn't important. So in my, in you know, in that sense, it just looks like a rush job because it's clearly something that's needed, and it has been in previous seconds. I completely you know, agree right. with you, sir. You are uh, you are a genius. I completely <laughs> agree. With you. I'm sure everyone thinks the same thing, you know. But I mean, I, I just really don't get it. But obviously, I, there are reasons behind it, you know. Time, time was probably an issue. I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, maybe someone who who is hearing this can uh, fill us in. Yeah, really. They, yeah. I, I, I don't even want to talk about it anymore. I, every time, every time there's a microphone on, on, on in my face, I bring yeah. it up. You know, this is the yeah, most, yeah. this was a heartbreak for me when uh, yeah. this game came out. So I mean, you know that that I think we were beating a dead horse in this uh, mm. uh, in this topic. Um, 
But I, I do want to ask you, you are an yes. expert player on multiple games, and in the previous episode of this very podcast, I, yes. I, I had some harsh words to say about the VF series, especially the right. newest incarnation of right. uh, the, the, the VF series. And the reason I said that, uh, those things that I said, were because I personally am a fan of the VF series, and I would like to see it <coughs> thriving as far as a competitive fighting game, and it isn't, and it's lacking mm -hmm. in many areas. Now, in my opinion, yeah. the problems with that game are visual issues. I feel like the game looks old, it sounds old, the character design is old, the, I feel like the physics are old in the game, and it just doesn't look appealing for new players to want to play it. And I know it's a very good deep system, and once you do play it, you will be very satisfied with it. But that mm -hmm. initial trial period, I feel like right. it doesn't have that. What do you think is the problem with Well, fighting? I mean, it, I, think, I think, you know, I mean, just commenting on what you just said, I, personally, it's probably down to when you started playing VF. Because for me, I played VF from Part 3. Uh -huh. When Part 3 was very glossy, very glamorous, very shiny, you know, it's probably the, the biggest upgrade they've had from BF2 to 3, graphical, graphically mm -hmm. anyway. And um, so it's almost like I didn't actually have that issue personally because it was, a, you know, it was all the glitz and glamour at that time. I don't think they were, they weren't, they were hardly, I don't think there was, there wasn't, there wasn't a fighting game that looked that nice at that time, any right. fighting game at all. Mm -hmm. So that was the best looking fighting game to play, you know? Yeah. And, uh,. And, and, and that, that initially got me into it. The sound was amazing, you know, and so getting into a game that looks and feels amazing, then realizing it's really deep and the system's what you wanted is, uh -huh. is actually perfect. I mean, for players now with, you know, games like Tekken and Street Fighter, all shiny, you know, the sun rays when you do the ultra and things like that, everything yeah. being, you know, bones breaking and, and big, you know, sparks on Tekken, I can understand, um, you know, why people would see that as being more visually uh, attractive than, than Virtual Fighter, but I guess it's, I don't know, I'm not sure I could say that people have ever got into it just because of how it looks these days. It's probably that you know it's good and you want to get into it, or maybe there's a scene on it and then you're attracted because you want to be down with that scene. You know, um, it's just more difficult when there's no one playing it and you yeah. want to just try and sort of, you know, feel the game out for yourself and then it doesn't look what you need it to be. Yeah. Um, I'm not quite sure. But I think that it's something that you just have to give a chance, really. You know, if the graphics are not appealing for you, then maybe other areas will be. I mean, you can't just base everything on looks, right? Well, I completely agree with you, but there is mm -hmm. something in the formula that they're using for Street Fighter Four that is working. I mean, it, something is there that makes new players want to play it, which has created this enormous wave. Yeah, well, it's because it's Street Fighter. If it, if if it was if you know if Virtual Fighter was called Street Fighter, people would look at it. Maybe they would get into it and realize they don't like it, but they'd always give it a chance just because of the name. So you're telling me that just because it's Street Fighter and it's new, that's why everyone's excited about it, in your opinion? Well, I think that that definitely plays a role, yes. No, I that, mean, name, that name means a lot. It you know, does. The fact, it, that it's, the, the fact that it's had such a long you know, heritage and for what it did for people back in the days from Street Fighter 1 to 2 when it suddenly had these massive big sprites and, you mm -hmm. know, like what, what the, from the, the people me memories that people have from what Street Fighter means to yeah. them. It's what sort of carries them over, and then obviously, you know, sort of the younger gamers coming up know about, about that as well. So now that there's a newer Street Fighter that's back with best, the, you know, the best graphics ever, and, and you know, new characters, sound, etc. I think yeah, you know, that, that that's that that's def that definitely stems an attraction for everyone. Well, I, I do agree with you to some extent, but I mm -hmm. mean, at this point, there have been many evolu <coughs> evolutions in the past, and um, yeah. at this juncture, it looks like they're going to be pulling way more than 2,000 players. And wow. something is, that is the largest 
live tournament in history. Mm. So, mm. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know uh, live fighting game tournament. Sorry, but mm. uh, I don't know what the formula is here, and uh, I like it. I like <coughs> Street Fighter very much. Uh, I, I am a Tekken player, but I yes. would like to see all fighting games thrive. And in your opinion, what do you feel? Well, like it's a, a combination. Of, it's a combination of a few things. It's the fact that it's Street Fighter mm-hmm. first. It's um, been made more kind of accessible because of the online. You know, the net coding is very good. You can have really good matches online. Mm-hmm. It's not like you go online and come off angry because the connection is really bad. Absolutely, and you yeah. Play at the you can have good enough matches. You know, you, you can theoretically have good enough matches to not need to play at the arcade. Yeah. You can have good enough matches. You know, that's, maybe that's it's true. not the same as arcade, but you can have good enough matches to say that, hey, I don't need to go to that session because I can play at home. You know? Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's it, 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 it bringing people together, you know, communities. I mean, essentially, being able to play online combined with a local forum is yeah. all you need to reach the outside world in every way. That is true. So it's almost like that, you know, is allowing people to get to know because you might play someone online. They're like, oh, hey, you're pretty good. You know, do you know about this forum? And then you're, yeah. you're immediately into this new world. And now there's Evo. Now there's other events. Now there's you know, SBO or whatever, like whatever events you find out about these events, you know, um, sorry, in America, like Devastation, and there's yeah. all kinds of events, you know, seasons, meetings, whatever. Uh-huh. So, uh, uh, what is that, West Coast Warzone, is it? That's right, yeah. Yeah, I, I um, sorry, this is really random, but I saw this guy, um, it was really funny, I was watching a YouTube video with a few uh-huh. friends, and there was a guy playing Alex Valle, and his name was Online Tony. Yes. And we kept on laughing every time he does the stomp combo, they all shout, Online Tony! Yeah. <laughs> That is awesome. So, yeah, anyway, back to topic. Yeah, that's um, the so big I thing, man. In, in the U.S., it's very hype, and everyone loves it. I really it. like that. Yeah. I really like the atmosphere and the, oh, the yeah. kind of intensity that you give the matches. It's really fun. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, so um, I think that the combination of the name, it being more accessible, more user-friendly, you know, people can get involved. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't essentially have to be that good to get involved, you know. So, the, sort of the entry-level barrier is not that high. If you're rubbish and go online, you can still win matches. Right. So, people can have fun. You know, the, the point is you can have fun. They've made it a game you can play and just have fun. And that always gets attention. Yeah. You know, just so, look at, just so look, what just look at think, Nintendo's products. What do you think needs to happen to VF to, to revive this community? Yeah, I, I think people are put off by... Okay, one point is probably what you said about the you know, visual aspects. Mm-hmm. But another thing is... It's not that easy, is it? It's not that easy no, to go on. No, certainly it's not. not that easy to go on there and produce what looks nice. Yeah. You know, if for example, like, um, like uh, I got into Tekken from Tekken Two, mm-hmm. and what initially got me interested in the game was mm-hmm. uh, when I saw King's multi throw. Right. Yeah. And as soon as I saw that, I immediately wanted to know how to do it. You mm-hmm. know, because I was into games, but I'd never played. Yeah, I'd only, I'd only played 2D stuff before, even yeah. though it was kind of 2D. But yeah, you know, um, but I immediately wanted to know. And once I knew how to do that, it was like I learned how to produce something that visually looked amazing. Mm-hmm. So, you you know, for example, you do it in a, in a public place and everyone goes, wow, you know, and, that, and exactly. that, that's fine. You know, that, that kind of, you know, recognition that people are giving you feels good, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you want more of that. And I think getting interested in the game can just stem from something as small as learning King's, King's multi-part. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, so and on Street Fighter as well, you know, obviously winning is always is always fun, whatever the game, whether it be poker or Scrabble or whatever. Of course, yes. And um, so if you go onto a new game and you start winning, it's like, oh hey, this is cool, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I think on VF that's not really going to happen because yeah. people that play VF are usually people that really play VF. Yeah. And uh, you don't really get people that just play VF. I mean, y- you might get people that just play VF casually, but then they probably don't play that much. Yeah. So if you're playing people online that play a lot, they're probably quite good. You know, and if they weren't when they started, they probably are now. So I think just getting into the game is quite tough. 
Yeah, I or know. A street I know. Fight, you've got so many more players. So you've got players at every level. And it's just so much easier to find people you can sort of rumble with, you know. Yeah, I mean, back you know, I feel like it's possible for VF to be revived and to be a very, very big game. I just think that something needs to happen. You know, they've got to bring it to console. That's the thing. No, but that, <laughs> that's not going to do it. That's not going to do it. They need to. They need I, I'm to. Actually being, I'm right. actually being a bit sarcastic, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, obviously they need to bring it to console, but not only that, it needs to be, you know, accessible. And then I think that it needs to have something. Like, uh, I don't know, some kind of new mode to make it, like, more attractive or... Yeah. You know, I, I don't think... I think they're done with characters. They don't, they don't need any more characters or... It's not, it's not like this great new character that's going to change everything. I think yeah. they just need some... But then again, if you change, like, the system, then it's not really VF, is it? Or is yeah. it? I don't know. Yeah. I, you know? I, I don't know. It's a, it's a fine line, you know? It just... Mm-hmm. Uh, it really you wanna is. Keep, you want to keep the fans, but you want to bring in the new fans. So, I don't know. It's not, I uh, it's not my decision, but something could be done. I want that game to be good, you know? Well, that's, that's one thing that Capcom did very well, because not only did they manage to retain... Well, as far as I know, retain... You know the OGs that used to play and the people that used to know of Street Fighter and play it back then. Well, that's but true. Yes. They also managed to, you know, get in newcomers and yeah, and two thousand like newcomers. It <laughs> increased yeah. the target demographic, which was something that a lot of fighting games failed to do. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think that uh, they have a formula <laughs> that works. Yeah, and I think all fighting game companies <laughs> need to examine it carefully because there's something yeah. there. There's something yeah. there that's good. Anyway, we've been discussing this for such a long time because you're you're such an intelligent person to converse <laughs> with. But let's yeah, talk right, about <laughs> let's talk about some Tekken. You know, I mean, you're you're a veteran Mishima player, and you've won uh, Evolution two times already. Am I correct for Tag yeah. and for Tekken Five DR? Um, and you know, you've already shown everyone in the world that you're an expert Mishima player. How do you feel? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Are you playing Kazuya in Tekken Six BR? Yes, I am. Okay, and how do you feel like uh, he's he's changed in in this most recent? <coughs> um, in this recent iteration, I think that they have, of course, turned him down from Tekken, uh, the original Tekken Six, mm-hmm. which is which is possibly which was possibly a very needed uh, nerf. Mm-hmm. So I can't really complain too much. I would actually say though that maybe they could have been a bit more lenient on his minus frames after small moves, mm-hmm. because you get moves that don't even really hurt that much, but he still has minus. Well, give me and an example. Well, I think like for example, he. My, my thing in Tekken is I've noticed that good characters, mm-hmm. not that he's not good, but really useful characters that allow you to play in a measure of safety, mm-hmm. which is very important in Tekken. Of to be able to exercise your game in a, in a level of safety is a very important issue, especially when it gets to tournament level. Mm-hmm. Um, is a character that has kind of like strings which are perhaps delayable or have a mid-ender or that are safe. Mm-hmm. And um, I find that Kazuya doesn't really have anything you can kind of just put out at your opponent that doesn't leave you risking something. I see. You know, risk, risking losing energy with um, for free, you know, because you're at minus ten and they can punish. Right. So, for example, um, Jin can do down forward one two, for example, and that's uh-huh. two mid hits that are both safe, that are um, delayable, and you know, it's like it's something that you can use. You know, it's a usable move, very Absolutely, useful. Yeah. And, you know, and and um, and he has many actually. You know, Hayashi is another good example. He has a lot of um, you know forward one back two. Uh-huh. I mean, down forward one one. I know down forward one one second one can be crouched, but just being able to have those pokes is very good for um, making your opponent think about stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, when you have lots of different things you can throw at your opponent, it makes your it puts your opponent on on their toes because there's so much they have to be aware of, of at every moment. Whereas with Kazuya, it's almost like because he doesn't have that much in terms of what he can just throw out, mm-hmm. you almost kind of know what he's going to need. 
you yeah. know what he's going to have to go for, you know, and it makes things more predictable. So things like when he's going to need to do electric could be could become more predictable, or when he's going to need to use the sweep, yeah. or when he's going to use down forward two. And I, I think that, um, you know, for example, like his down forward uh, one, down forward yes. one, two, uh-huh. you know, he's got down forward one, four, down forward one, four, two. Yes. Now, all of those are quite risky. Yeah, you know? in some way, yes. So, yeah, you know, um, down forward one, two, and down forward one, four, if they they can both be crouched the same way and be punished, uh-huh. and down foot one two, um, is is not safe either. And you know they, if they they could really cause some damage if they you know use the right things sidestep or if they counter, right. mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, it just means that you have to be really careful when you play Kazuya. Um, obviously, this is what eventually decides the tiers. You know what what characters have what moves. But That's I right. just feel that him being a main character, being a Mishima and everything, they could uh-huh. kind of have given him a bit more to play play the field with. I see. Now, mm. in your in your opinion, I mean, you you stick to Kazuya. Why is it that you don't go with maybe Devil Jin? I mean, he's uh, most people agree that he's a better Mishima in this game. Why do you stick to Kazuya? Um, I stick to Kazuya because he's kind of always been my character, and I enjoy using him. And I know how he works as a character mm-hmm. much more than I know how Devil Jin, for example, works. Although I, I do feel I I, would, I do feel that I would be confident if I made the change. Mm-hmm. I just haven't been. I don't think I've been pushed far enough. To, you know, I haven't been made to feel that Kazuya is so useless that I, I have to change the Devil Jin. I think he's still a very, you know, uh, he, I think he's a strong enough character to win with if you have the right mind frame and uh, use his moves correctly. Well, I definitely respect that, sir. Um, now, as far as Kazuya goes, how, how, where do you feel like he falls in the tier list? I mean, how, how, how what type of a character do you feel like he ends up being? Um, I think he's kind of mid, mid low. Lower mid, really interesting. Yeah. Okay. I mean, do because, you? Um, because I think I think um, characters that can control the space are really good. For yeah. example, like Bruce is really good because oh, he course. can actually he can dictate where you need to be mm-hmm. because you need to be aware of this move. So you've got to be at that range to, yeah. to you know to be ready for a whiff, or you yeah. need to be at this range if you're going to get ready to punish him. And I think all of those distances are things that Bruce, for example, is very good at keeping you at bay with. He can make sure you don't get too close if he needs to. He can make sure you... You know, and, and, I, and I think that that kind of... Being able to fight like that is very useful. And um, because, you know, everything is such a risk with Kazooie, you don't want to waste many moves because you don't want to whiff anything, and you don't want to get too close because he has a lot that he can actually kind of just put out as well. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, you know... Especially these days, I've been. We're very lucky in uh, California to have some of the best Korean players here for the yeah. for a month or so, and I've been playing them a lot. And they're emphasizing so much on um, movement, and you know, you mm. really need to focus on movement and all that stuff. And as a Mishima player, I mean, I'm sure you really would um, suggest that other Mishima mm. players who are maybe not as uh, well-versed as you are, I mean, the, do they have to really rely on movement and spacing? I mean, what would well, you suggest? Well, okay, another, another thing about Tekken 6 that I'm not really comfortable with is that uh-huh. you, you you practice all this movement, but it doesn't actually become that effective until your movement is so good at a certain mm-hmm. point. Yeah. And for me, you know, I felt that in other Tekkens you could kind of utilize your movement more effectively, yeah. whereas on this Tekken, even if you're that good at moving, you kind of can't really maneuver as well as you need to sometimes you still get caught by things or you still can't quite get out of you know the way of certain attacks and i just i just think that for how much you're required to practice movement it doesn't 
always pay off on this Tekken. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I agree with the Koreans that it's very important. That, you know, movement is very important. Being able to space, being able to get in quickly. I, I think that um, you know, it's it's, it's very essential, um, regardless of your character. So I agree, um, yes. it's not like if you don't use machines, then you don't have to learn movement. No, you yeah, still do. Absolutely. So, um, I, but I, I do think that you know, if if Namco were going to include something so vital to the system, they could have at least allowed you more room to explore it. You know, to explore it and just like have fun with or enjoy using what you've practiced. Yeah, I, I'm not a very big fan of uh, non-universal movement in games. Mm. I like it when every character can move almost equally. Um, but in this game, obviously, that's not the case with Lily and Elisa being very good at moving and characters, you know, other characters being slower. But um, where do you feel like um, the, the matchups fall? I mean, what are some... Do you feel like Kazuya can handle some of the top-tier characters in the game? Um, I think... <laughs> I mean, handle wouldn't be a word I would use, but, okay. you know, he can fight. I yeah. think that he has to... But, you know, you really have to play the better game in this one. I don't think you can get away with um, a lot now. You really have to outsmart your opponent and, and actually just play a better game than them. It's not like before where Mishima's might have had some stuff that could allow them to, you know, just sort of overpower the opponent just because of the moveset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think now... Um, Kazuya kind of plays a more defensive style. I think a stronger style of Kazuya is possibly a more defensive one. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's just that just that being said shows you that he imme- he's immediately under pressure as the match starts. You know, the fact that he has to play a defensive role now. Yeah. So um, it, it, it it does mean that if the if, if your opponent is good, that you know, and he he knows what you're doing, it is difficult to um, get around what's happening. So can he fight top tiers? Yes, he can. But um, at high level, it's going to be very, very tough. I see. It's interesting. From the tone of your voice and from some of your answers, I get the feeling that you feel like this game is not very balanced. When most of the time, when you speak to Tekken players, this ends up, in most people's opinions, being the most balanced Tekken of all time. Yeah. Do you? How do you feel um, about it? The most balanced. It could be the most balanced in a sense, because every character can hurt. Every character has... You know, every character can hurt you. Every character has good juggles. Good, uh-huh. you know, every every character has good things now. It's not like where there's a character who can't do anything. Like yeah. every character can fight. Every mm-hmm. character has stuff. Um, it's not that I feel it's really unbalanced or anything like that. To be honest, I haven't put as much time into it as I would have liked. So mm-hmm. you know, some of my answers might be a bit off in, in you know just because of that. No, but I, I think that um, I think that um, yeah, there is a good balance of the game. I just feel that Kazuya himself uh-huh. could have been a bit better, and I that's see. kind of. Why my answers are a bit like, mm, yeah, yeah. Sure, you know, <laughs> that's where that comes from. It's because just because I feel that he could have been a bit stronger. I mean, obviously, he might have been a bit too strong previously with you mm-hmm. know forward four leading to a combo and yeah. one one two getting wall stun and you know just everything that he had. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, but I just I just don't see. I'm I'm not sure if I can um, really validate why he needed certain nerfs so i see yeah well yeah. i mean you're you obviously you are biased and uh there's no <laughs> of course no yeah, everyone everyone yeah, so. yeah every, everyone you know boosts the characters they're not using and puts down their own character i'm no, just joining a club but then again i will say that he is still really good and it's not like he's bottom tier or anything like he can't be anyone no that's no, a, that's good. definitely true i know firsthand recently i was in japan and there were <laughs> some really good kazuya players yeah. in japan so, I mean, he's still a solid character. One good thing is now it's more about the player rather than the character, which is good because you never want to have people say that your wins are just down to who you're using. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is so, true. Yeah. 
Now, out of curiosity, um, yeah. what is the top five in the UK, as far as you know, for characters? Um, well, I say the top five characters in the UK are the top the characters that the top five players are using because they're the ones that are winning. Um, let's but I, go ahead. you know, to be honest, to be honest, um, we kind of don't have that many players here, so it's almost oh. like. Um, you know, when I say that many players, there might be players, but I'm not sure we have that many players who are really serious and yeah. dedicated and determined to get their skill yeah. level to a, to a high place, you know. Uh -huh. So, um, but I would say that um, um, Brian okay. won. Um, who, else, uh, who else could I say? Brian... That's the thing, it's so difficult because it literally is like a handful of players. So yeah. it's so difficult for this... Who, but you know, those players use Brian, uh, Jack, oh, um, really? Horang, yeah, okay. uh, Horang, uh, um, Jin. Interesting. <laughs> well, th I mean, the thing is, they're going to laugh when they hear this, but you know, obviously, I use Kazuya and I use Leo as well. Uh -huh. But like, you know, it's, it, there isn't really a character tier thing here. You could learn a character in a week, come down and win if you're good enough anyway, because that's yeah. how. You know, so it, it, I, there isn't really a character tier here in the UK just because of how much attention the game hasn't had and because of the lack of players we have. Interesting. So, I mean, it's a combination yeah. of the lack of the scene and also a testament to the balance of the game and it, yeah. uh, the ability to allow a really good player to shine with whatever character he yeah. wishes. Interesting. But, I mean, but when I, when I uh, played uh, against the Koreans, I, I remember them telling me that, you know, they felt that, like, it was like Brian, Devil Jin, you know, like, Bob was up there. Yeah. Uh, so many characters they mentioned that, I mean, and Nin said that Nina was, like, top tier, and I was like, whoa, you know, that's a bit different. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Nina was in there, and there were so many characters, but, like, you know, it's almost like anyone can fight. Yeah, you know, that's, I mean, that's different. Right, right at the bottom was, like, um, you know, uh, Zafina and Wang and, like, um... I think, uh, I think Yoshi was kind of low as well. Yeah, he's the worst in my opinion. Worst, <laughs> hands down. They had, <laughs> so they had their own little listing. But it was really interesting to hear what they had to say because obviously they've got more experience than we have in Europe. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Well, um, uh, one more thing I wanted to ask you is what type yeah. of a training schedule do you have? What type of a training regimen do you use? How do you juggle yeah. between multiple games? I mean, how much time do you spend on games? Um, I would say this has changed over the years, depending on what games I've played and what uh -huh. stage of life I've been at, you know. Right. Um, previously, like, coming up for a big, like, Tekken Tag Tournament, I used to play maybe seven hours a day or uh -huh. something like that. Right. If possible. And a lot of those hours were spent at the arcade, which was very productive. Absolutely. You know, playing against multiple opponents and, you know, it's, it's you're, you're subconsciously practicing your movement and everything while actually getting experience against players. So it's, you know, one of the best ways, which is shows, you know, when you see the Koreans play, you can see how that arcade experience does change things. Uh-huh. Um, so I used to play around, you know, seven, eight hours a day at that time. I see. And then uh, later on, during the Tekken six days, mm -hmm. um, you know, nowadays Tekken 5DR even, um, I think I've had less time, so a lot of my hours would just be the one or two hours I'd have a couple of days a week to go to the arcade to play the guys, or maybe a session, you know, if there was a session like once or twice a week, yeah. I'd go down and uh, we'd play all together, but it really is different, and to be honest, you know, my level um, definitely shows a difference in me having time to practice or not practice, and um, how I balance between games is... Um, it, nowadays, it's usually tournament focused. So if there's an event coming up for a game, mm -hmm. I'll put in I'll put in hours on that I one see. game. I see. Okay. Um, and if there isn't, then I'll I'll leave that game for the to the side for that point and 
if there's a multi-game tournament coming up, uh-huh. I'll practice. I'll practice the game that I'm worst at first to get really? up to speed. Yeah, because I want to be at a certain level, and um, before the event. Now, if I'm if I'm further behind, then I need more time. So I'll um, and obviously if there's games that I'm better at, then I'll, I'll practice those as well. But kind of once I'm comfortable with where I at where I'm at with the other game. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be honest, a lot of the time, if I'm not as good at another game, it's probably because I've lost a bit of interest somehow. Maybe I'm not as motivated. Maybe yeah. I'm bored with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe there are no events and, and stuff like that. So. A lot of the time, I kind of don't mind. I'm, yeah. I just go into those tournaments, but it's not serious. It's just casually, and I'll put all the focus on the main games that I'm playing. Yeah, you know, so um, that's a lot of the time what happens at multi-game tournaments, which is kind of why I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer to have single event tournaments so I can focus everything, all my energy, and I often lose in multi-game tournaments because I'm focused on another game. Then you get called into a pool for another yes, game, and you lose. Yes, you can't quite give it your. You can't quite get that that focus going. Yeah. Um, I have been able to do that in the past, and I still can do that, but I always know, even if I win, that huh. I still could have been even better had I been able to really focus on that one game. Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you do get used to playing multiple games at once, you know, jumping from VF to Tekken, and then from Tekken to King of Fire, then King yeah. of Fire to Street just going around everything. Wow. And that can work too, but I don't think it's as productive as, you know, playing the one or two games is. I, I agree with you, but if there's anyone that can play multiple games at once, it's you. You are uh, <laughs> you've proven to be well versed in multiple, several games, and uh, you are, like I said earlier, you're one of my favorite uh, Tekken players of all time. And uh, I'm you. looking forward to seeing you uh, this ev- evolution. Like I, I always yes. see you at evolution. Um, yes. But uh, as a final word, please, uh, yes. I'd like for you to, if you have a message for people listening, um, talk some yeah, shit to people. Go ahead. Well, right I actually, I'm actually not that happy about um, Daigo's last interview where he mentions that he feels I'm not that good. Oh, because uh, let's hear it. I'm, I'm all ears. Because the thing is with him, yeah, uh-huh. is he doesn't realize the only reason he's any good is because uh-huh. he lives in Japan. Uh-huh. If, he, if, if, he, if you let that guy be born here in England and I'm born in Japan... <laughs> He would, you know, he would be nothing. I think he's a bit too much up his own ass in a way. Because okay. he kind of goes on about that he's, you know, like, in, in, you know, when he, when he talks, like, obviously, uh-huh. he, he is a nice guy, don't get me wrong, I've met him and he's really nice, uh-huh. but like, just, you know, the way he commented about me in that interview, yeah. I just kind of felt like, you don't even realize, like, he, this guy's from Japan, you know, and I'm, I'm just from the UK where we have, like, not even half the scene of what they have, yeah. but yet when he, when we meet, I always give him hassle on games that we play together. Like, I've uh-huh. beaten him you know, on Street Fighter before, and I've beaten him on Third Strike, and okay. stuff like that. So for him to come out and say, well, you know, this guy's only good where he's from, is totally untrue, because I've been to Japan, and I've, I've given more than a lot of their top players a run for their money on, on okay. multiple games. So I just felt that his comments were really unfair. Maybe he actually doesn't know you know, what I've done in the past and stuff, my history on multiple games. Maybe he only, maybe his comments were just talking about me on one particular particular game, and if so, that's fair enough. But I just felt he didn't kind of give me the proper credit that I deserve for all the effort that I've put in and, you know, the actual results that I've managed to, you know, um, produce, even against players who have, m- you know, a million times more experience than I do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, just for that purpose. I mean, if he's he's judging me as if I'm also from Japan, also had the same experience as him. He doesn't realize that I'm just, you know, some guy from, from 
the other side of the world that doesn't have half of what he has. So um, yeah, it's kind of not. It's an unfair balance from his perspective to okay. give that kind of comment. So any any yeah. predictions? Are you looking forward? Yeah, to... Yeah, I'm looking forward to the tournament. Um, uh-huh. Evo, you know. Um, but to be fair, like I haven't quite found my character yet. I've been using uh-huh. Guy. I've been using a bit of Sagar. I've been using okay. Ray. I've been okay. using so many characters, yeah. and um, I've been using like ten or fifteen characters, but which isn't yeah. that good because you know when you're getting to the, the, this closer close to a tournament, yeah. you need to kind of you know, come down to what you're going to go with, what you're confident with, you know. For sure. And so um, I'm not going to roll in with 10 characters, you know, it's not going to be Yeah, of course not. So, <laughs> so um, I'm just, you know, finding the ropes, really, you know, with who I'm comfortable with and stuff. And, I gotta uh, yeah, get you. I gotta get you to say Daigo's a bitch, dude. Just do it, dude. Call him out. Ah, uh, he's not. He's not. He's a really nice guy. That's, that's the thing. Like, you know, I would say more, but he's really nice. I've met him. We've hung out. You uh-huh. know, he's a cool guy. But in his interview, he just kind of talked me down a bit. You know, I, I'm sure he didn't mean it. But when I when I heard him chat, I just thought like. Nah, you didn't have to like say like, oh, he's only good where he's from, you know. Yeah, like, okay, uh, that, that's you're, not you're true, quite sure. the gentleman, sir, and I, no, I can appreciate I, that. Yeah, if he was an idiot, yeah, then I would. But no, nah, I can't do that. He's a cool guy. <laughs> well, call you know. some idiot a bitch then. Call, <laughs> call someone. Well, okay, I, I want to beat Sabin. I'm gonna kick his ass. Who? Sabin. Who is that? Arturo. Arturo. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. De- okay, you want to kick his, his ass. ass? All right, I yeah. like that. Okay, this is, where, this is where drama happens, alright. Yeah, I'm gonna call him out, Evo. Alright, great, great. Well, we, we, had a, we had a good time last year, like, you know, we had the money match and he won it and stuff. And then we, no, actually, no, the first, I, he beat me in the tourney. So, okay. yeah, I definitely play that guy again. Yeah, okay, he's gonna get, cool, he's cool. gonna get some beatings. He's gonna get my beatings. beatings. Oh, you're gonna send him to the, uh, fruit machines, right? You're gonna send him to the fruities. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Alright, cool, man. Alright, well, I, I really wanna thank you for coming on the, onto oh, the show. And it's been a, it's been nothing but a pleasure. You're quite the gentleman and a very intelligent uh, gamer. And uh, once again, I, I really appreciate it. And we'll we'll see you at Evo. Good luck in future yes. tournaments. And Thank we'll you. see you soon, pal. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, and I appreciate everything. Of course. All right, everybody. Uh, this is going to conclude our interview. Please tune in next time, and uh, you know, listen to future podcasts. And uh, again, we'll release the uh, next guest early, so you can ask questions or you know, tell them, ask them what you want to hear, and all that shit. All right, guys, take it easy. Thanks. Bye.